Yo, what's happening, guys? All right, brand new solo podcast. So I just want to update you guys on my season thus far, trials and tribulations, some of my successes, uh, motivation, plans for the future. Uh, Man, it's just been absolutely amazing thus far. And so, uh, yeah, just want to sit down and visit with you guys, do my my regular uh, therapy session with you and uh, let you know where my head's at. We'll get right into it. I just want to thank my sponsors real quick. Um, man, my sponsors mean the world to me. Uh, my t- my time is so valuable, and I have very little free time. And um, so these companies, to put their money behind me and behind the podcast, just this average blue-collar bow hunter, it just means the world to me. And um, it also means the world to me that, that you guys help and support these companies. So if you're in the market for any new gear, make sure to check out these companies and what they offer and uh, help show support to this podcast so we can keep this whole thing rolling. Uh, so I want to thank Everly Stock Packs, Matthews Bows, Sig Sauer Optics, Sika Gear, Sportsman's Warehouse, Swagger Bipods, Zamberlin Boots, High Mountain Seasonings, Onyx Maps, and Mountain Archery Fest. So thanks to those guys for their sponsorship and their support. Uh, again, just means the world to me. So <clears throat> we're in mid-October. Man, um, it has just been an amazing hunting season. Uh, I know, you know, I've, I've structured my life to be able to get this time, to be able to go out and chase my dreams on our public lands and um, have all these hunts lined up and, um, yeah, chase these, these trophy critters and gosh, the mountains is just like where I feel I'm meant to be. I'm, I'm absolutely happiest there, uh, in the dirt, in the rocks, um, sleeping like a hobo. Uh, I mean, for me, it just doesn't get any better. I'm so happy out there. So to be able to spend the time and have my family take care of things at the house here and, um, work taken care of spend time with family and friends as well as solo trips. It has just been absolutely amazing. Uh, so, uh, last solo podcast got on. I told you about, uh, killing that, that good buck on that special tag. I'd missed that one and I was just devastated and, uh, able to redeem myself, make a good shot on that one. Uh, kill a good Idaho bull. I also told you guys my goals along the way is to make my family and friends better. And, um, so, you know, I've had a chance to help friends here and there. You know, I um, helped my buddy Dan on uh, his special Nevada tag for his bull. Uh, we came up short on that one. Uh, also helped Dan, you know, a um, couple different deer hunts, uh, get chances and opportunities and um, just haven't been able to close the deal. But uh, I have helped some of my friends. I had a couple of my Hawaii buddies, Janus and Rob, come out. Uh, they stayed with me for... Um, dang near a month. Well, actually, they didn't stay with me hardly at all. They uh, stayed in the woods here and there, but we teamed up together, were able to hunt together, was able to share location, share information, and and uh, help them be successful along the way. So, um, pump my buddy Rob, he killed a bull uh, after I left, after I killed that bull. Uh, they were able to get him out okay, didn't need any help there, got him all butchered. So, he killed a bull, and then... Um, my Hawaii buddies have been pulling for my buddy Janus, and Janus is a great hunter. So 
I, I really like hunting with Janus. He's so patient and slow, methodical and controlled, you know, in his stocks and the way he moves through the woods. He's just a great hunter. And then he's great at capitalizing on opportunities, making a shot. I know when we hunted uh, uh, rams out in Hawaii, killed a nice ram out there, always kills nice axis deer. Uh, the the guy's a great hunter and a great attitude. I mean, he's one of those guys that I that I learned from in life. Like as a friend, um, he he's one of the best friends a guy could ask for. I mean, he would he would give me the shirt off his back. And I know that saying's thrown around, but Janus truly would. He would give me the shirt off his back. He'd give me his pickup truck. He'd give me his house if I had to use it. The guy is just the nicest, most generous guy out there. And so, uh, you know it. It just reminds me how to be a good friend and, and that uh, to, to be giving and to give anything for your buddies and, and drop everything and help them out. And so um, really pumped. Janus has been out west four or five trips. I think he's been out here with me. I think this is the third time he's been out here with me, I believe, second or third. I believe it's the third. And then he's made a couple trips out to Oregon. And so I think like four or five trips out west to kill an elk. And um, he's been there for his buddy, you know, our buddy Robin. He helped pack out Robin's bulls. Uh, he helped pack out my bull, um, that, that one I killed earlier this year, um, that lopsided bull. And he'd just drop it, everything and help you out and give up days of his hunt uh, to make sure that you're taken care of. And so all of us and, and uh, all his buddies have been pulling for him to kill a bull. And um, see, we showed up uh, into this new spot. We met up. And, um, they had a special tag this year, which was great to be able to share that location with them and, um, showed up. And I think the second day I spotted a nice muley buck. Well, there was actually two of them and they were bedded on the, the edge of this cliffside. And, and Janus has never killed a mule deer as well. So, um, saw these bucks, we decided to make a play for them, a couple nice mature bucks. And we made this first approach and kind of moved into them and, Gosh, we were into about 70 yards or so with a strong wind. It just wasn't a good shot to take. And until Janice has said, well, let's let's go around. The wind's right. Let's come up right over top of them. And, uh, excuse me. So we uh, made this play around them, and it's a strong wind that day. It's blowing probably 20 miles an hour. And we kind of creep over the edge and just look over the edge, and those bucks are still there. And uh, we kind of make some different angles, and he's trying to get a shot at him. And I crawled in with him, but kept back from the ledge as to not expose myself and let Janus get over the edge and assess the situation. And uh, pretty soon he gets ready, and he's going to shoot one of these bucks and draws back and comes over the edge. It's like eight yards down off this steep berm, like down off a, a sandstone cliff. Eight-yard shot, came over the top absolutely nailed that muley and muley didn't make it anywhere it didn't make it 10 yards and uh, expired right there in front of us so how cool to 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 be alongside him see him get a stock on this muley and then come up successful uh, just means the world to me like I say helping my family and friends and um, you know I was able to ha help uh, my my good buddy Brandon Purcell who I've become friends with um, help him get out his bowl um, gosh, just a couple days after that, uh, a buddy of mine, Ryan, uh, hunted with him last year. He's a, a sales guy for Matthews, just a, a great guy who just loves to elk hunt and he comes from the Midwest. So he hunted some spots that we hunted together last year 
and uh, he came up big. He he uh, was able to crush a nice five point in there. I offered to help pack out, but um, he already had it taken care of or made short work out of it. Uh, but he came and had to uh, didn't have to. I invited him to stay at the house here and um, get his meat chilled and um, do everything he had to do. And then he had a, a ball joint go out in his truck and he had to make it all the way back to the Midwest. So able to get him a good mechanics uh, name in there and he was able to get in there. And then um, I had to drive to the nearest town and, and pick up a I believe it was a ball joint or something in there. And uh, pick up that form. They were able to get him fixed up. He made it home safe and sound with his bowl. So that was really cool. Helped Janus with that that mule deer. And um, yeah, and then um, Janus was able to, to kill his first bowl. Um, able to kill a really nice bowl. A really nice, big, heavy six point. Those guys were into action, but it wasn't a standard year for this place. Like... Um, Gosh, you, you make the, the best plans you can for these locations and areas and you, you kind of try to you try to figure out what the challenges or what the hurdles are going to be. But it's just um, every one of these hunts that I go on, that I get on. I mean, nowadays, you know, it, it's just tough. Uh, public land has a lot of pressure and, um, you know, the animals don't always read the script and it's just difficult. You just got to get there and grind. And so on this hunt, it was a difficult one. Um, we showed up, uh, I heat checked a lot of my spots where hike in there. Usually I can find elk in there and, uh, man, we were just getting blanked. I don't think I saw an elk for four days or so. Like it was just tough hunting, diving into these spots. Um, but you know, it's the way you look at things. Uh, I always like, uh, and I'll, I'll refer to, you know, some of these things that give me motivation. But I love like that that Jocko clip where he says, oh, things going wrong. Good. Gives me a chance to get better. Good. It's like it's just the like the way you look at things in this positive outlook. And the same thing there. It was like, all right, my spots aren't panning out. Good. Give me a chance to go find some other areas to, to start over fresh, to learn some new stuff. And uh, so we started cruising around and um, splitting up and. Um, really putting in a lot of miles. Um, you know, it's just due to my fitness that I can put in those kind of miles every day and, and recover and, and be ready to go after it the next day. And, uh, I just love covering country, but we were putting on 10 to 15 miles a day with a thousand to 3000 vertical feet. And, uh, I was loving it. I just, you know, I knew even though it was tough hunting, I just knew that, you know, with that amount of effort, I'm going to create an opportunity. I'm going to get a chance. And uh, I knew going into this hunt that I was looking for a good bull. Heck, I just killed that really good lopsided bull. And um, I don't need to kill one. It's it's kind of like I'm just going to be out. I'm going to help my buddies. And, um, you know, if I come across a real good one, I'm going to make it happen. And finally, five days in or so, I catch this good bull coming out with his cows and working into this this broken country and so you know I just pick up the chase and start tailing him he's a nice six point real tall one and I follow him all the way to his bed and once they start to get to their bed they start to kind of graze around where they're going to bed and um, man this bull gave me the perfect opportunity he fed out to the right of his cows on this bench I had a great wind plenty of time to get to him and uh sat there and I just thought about it and I looked at this bull and normally this is a bull that I'd I'd run in and shoot most years you know it's a really good tall six point you know maybe 310 or so 
but a really good 310 heavy bugled, you know, uh, uh, all mudded up from wallowing. And uh, it was action, chasing a bugling bull. But I got there, and it was that chance to close in and try to shoot him. And I had trailed him for an hour that morning. And um, I just thought, you know, that's, I'm just going to hold out. I'm going to hold out. I think I'm going to, you know, I know I'm going to find a better bull. Like, I just want to be extremely happy if I harvest one. And if I don't find one and I have to, and I eat my tag this year, that's fine. But I'm going to give myself the opportunity to try to kill a big bull. Um, and I was on the fence. Uh, you guys know how I love action. I love hunting elk. I love getting into them. I love getting close. And and usually, you know, I hold out for a good six-point bull, and this one met the criteria. It was a six-point bull. He was a good one, dark chocolate horns. And I almost ran down the hill to make a stock. In fact, I did. I took about 10 steps down the hill to go make my move around him and go get close to shoot him. And I just thought to myself, you know, this this um, this isn't the bull. Like, uh you know, my buddy Robin or my buddy Janus would be extremely happy with this bowl. Let's try to get those guys in on this bowl. I I put him down to his bed, and so I um, got a Delorme messenger or whatever, and so I messaged those guys to, to meet me over in the bottom, and um, so then my plan was to take him to this this bowl and have uh, Janus play a stock. It didn't quite work out. I sat on the bowl for about an hour waiting to hear from these guys and waiting to see if they'd come in and meet me, and... Um, there ended up being a hunter on the far ridge uh, with a bad wind that worked up there, and his wind blew into that bowl and blew him out of the basin. It just happens. I don't think that guy knew they were there. Um, gosh, so many times I see guys moving into elk or animals with a bad wind. It's just never going to work. Uh, I don't. I don't think he meant to. I think this was just where he was covering country mid to late morning and just bad luck on my part. So spooked the bull. Uh, but I really felt good about passing up that bowl and not going for him and looking for this, you know, for a target bowl or a dream bowl. You know, I've already shot one this year. I've got meat in the freezer. You know, there's no need to run in and and um, shoot this bowl. And, and plus, my buddies would be psyched with him. So, um, yeah, I, so I, I passed up that bowl and then um, kept hunting and uh, just kept covering miles. And um, eventually I came across, I was making an evening hunt and came across this giant six-point, and huge threes, huge fours, huge fives, uh, really wide, just a dream bull, like this is the bull I'm after. Um, I first spotted the cows, they didn't know I was there, I was able to pick them up, and then um, saw a smaller five-point, I thought, gosh, that can't be the herd bull, and then all of a sudden I see this big wide one come out, he's just a giant, and uh, it was really tricky. He had uh, a satellite bull, uh, two spikes, and then about 20 cows. And I had a good steady wind, uh, but it wasn't steady in the right direction for me to close in over the ridge. And so I kept with him that night. I, I located him early, like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Plenty of time to kill this bull. Uh, but I, I'm just getting, you know, through this experience and being close to so many animals, you know, I talk about it all the time, this cool, calm, and collected when you're in bow range. Like, you know, you have a hundred different chances to mess up a scenario. And, and not that I look at it that way, but, you know, you make one little mistake and these elk pick you off and your opportunity's gone. They see you coming over a ridge, you get your wind wrong, you try to close in at the wrong time or try to force something and you blow it up. But if you can just continue to play the game with them, uh, keep that element of surprise and really wait for that opportunity, I'm just starting to recognize that better. I mean, 
Uh, it's easy to say I'm recognizing it better when you get everything right and you kill a big bull. Uh, don't get me wrong, but um, man, I I feel like the Matrix where I'm where I'm seeing these scenarios develop, and and there isn't as much gray area. I know kind of what's right, what's wrong, the scenario that I'm looking for. I know what I can get away with and what I can't. I know when I'm pushing a situation. And throughout the years, any time that I try to push a situation or maybe I can get in close, hardly ever works. And I like to hunt aggressive. Um, but, you know, hunting aggressive, it's a fine line be- between hunting reckless and hunting aggressive. And um, so I found these things at 4 o'clock. And um, I tried a couple different approaches down a couple coolies and kind of tested the waters kind of down and range, you know, the elk and then the trees or the ridge in front of them and just go, no, that's about 100 yards away. That isn't going to work. No, it isn't going to work here, even with that good wind. And so I ended up backing out and watching them. And then I thought, you know, right in the evening, I thought these downhill thermals are going to pull down this draw. I can come behind them and then come you know, up and keep that downhill thermal and keep the wind in my favor. And so I made a play around uh, right at about dark or right in the evening and made a play around and got down in there. And there was another satellite bowl on, you know, the next drainage over. And uh, I didn't see him, ended up bumping him. He ran down. The herd didn't know what happened. Um, in fact, this satellite bull was a few hundred yards away from the main herd. And so they didn't even know he got spooked or he left. So I got lucky, you know, I, I spooked that bull and, um, then I just backed out of there. I got back to the top of the drainage, got my wind right, glass back down, could still see that elk, could still see that big bull bugle. And I just thought there's, there's just, um, there's no chance at it tonight. I'm going to have to come back, try to relocate them tomorrow, but at least I haven't blown them up. So make my way out at Dar. It was a long ways back in there. Um, I, you know, a lot of times, you know, I was telling you guys that last hunt, how I like to hunt elk with my camp on my back. And I really do, you know, it's just different locations. Sometimes it's nice to hunt them light as well. And this place, it's easy to do the miles, you know, they're, they're not a ton of elevation. I mean, there can be, you can be climbing up and down all day long, but typically, you know, you can do a lot of miles, um, in this country. And so, uh, made it out, made it back to the guys and I said, Oh, you know, we found some elk. You got to come in with us tomorrow. I thought, no, you know, I still, no, I gotta, I got a good bull located. You guys go in and, and handle those elk or get after those elk. And I got a good bull I'm getting after tomorrow. And so again in the morning, I started up 4am headlamp, actually going in the dark. Uh, a lot of times I like to walk in the dark. I just feel like you can navigate better. You can see the hillsides better and where you're headed. And so I navigate back down to where this big bull had been and I start down the ridge and um, I don't see him right away. don't hear him right away. Nothing. It's kind of empty and I just keep working down the ridge and uh, eventually I see him. And um, oh, sorry, I thought I had to sneeze. So eventually I run into this bull, I glass him up down in the bottoms, he's got those cows, and right on cue he bugles a couple times, which is always nice. And uh, so they're just working in this bottom, and you know, a lot of times in my younger years I would have tried to go getting close, but I could just tell with those couple spikes and that satellite bull and the cows, like this is not my opportunity, just keep with them, just shadow this herd. And so I just shadow him throughout the morning, and I'm really not planning on getting a play at these elk till maybe evening. 
but I do have a good wind and uh, I am trailing them. It's just there's always a bull in the way or some cows in the way. But eventually they make it over this little fold or around this little fold and I can come up over the top and kind of cut them off and there's no elk around to see me and now it's like all in. So they go around, I, I hustle up and I make it to the top of the ridge and come over and um, just like he read the script, there was the bull and he was bugling and chasing a cow right over there, right in my range. I had to make it like maybe 10 yards to the ledge. Um, so, you know, I just uh, slowly and methodically made my way to that edge and then had a good clear sight window of where these elk were and they were just funneling by me, just working by me. And um, a big bull was tailing a cow, got a good range on him. He stopped and uh, did my part, executed my shot, and it's it's weird in bow range, like, uh, you almost, let's see, you, you can't, you can't mimic the excitement that it is to get close to a big bull like this, or a big buck, like, you know, all the practice in the world, and it definitely helps, like, uh, the more practice, the better, but there is nothing that mimics the adrenaline, that you get when you're in tight to a big elk. And maybe, you know, I don't think it's just me. I think it's all you guys that listen as well. The excitement and the adrenaline of being close to a, a big bull like that, and especially what it means to us, how hard we've worked at it. But as far as adrenaline-filled moments, like, I mean, big wave surfing, jumping out of an airplane, uh, bungee jumping, you guys, they can have it all. Like, uh, I think the, the best adrenaline rush going or the ex- most excited I can get is like chasing a big bull like that. So it's tough to mimic or even explain the adrenaline surging through you. And, you know, the deal is, is I've been there enough times and I know I can execute my shot and I put in the time, the work, the practice, and, and also I've executed on a lot of animals. So I know I can make my shot, but it still just doesn't change for me. I still get jacked up. Like, uh, you're close. But this is where you have to be your calmest. And like I said earlier, there's there's a hundred different mistakes you can make. And all these micro decisions come down to either you getting into range and getting a shot or not. It would have been really easy for me to skyline on a ridge or spook them the night before or get too aggressive when they're in the bottom thinking I can close in when I can't. Like there's these a hundred different ways I could have messed this up. But I just kind of let my instincts take over. I keep trying to make these quality decisions and these decisions are all based on years of experience that where you hone your instincts. And so uh, you're you're just hoping that that you make the right moves, but it it doesn't to put more thought into it doesn't do it. It's like you almost just have to react and play the game. And you know the the more you play the game, the better you get at it. The better your instincts get. The the more you hone them, the more you learn from mistakes. Uh, the the more you bow hunt, the more you're in range. And I I feel like it's just all these years of uh, work and effort. And I mean, I. I have screwed up so many scenarios over the years on big bulls. I mean, I can remember big eight points, giant six points, and just where I've screwed up, where I've skylined or I've got my wind in there, or I get the shot and I duff it, you know? It's like there's a million different ways it can go wrong. But, you know, throughout the years, you hone those those instincts, and then, gosh, it just comes down to making the right moves. And, and, uh, I'll, I'll definitely put the money on myself now at being 
40 years old and having all this bow hunting experience, like, gosh, I've just been able to get really good at getting close to animals. And part of the reason is, is because I've been so bad. Like, uh, you know, I have screwed up so many encounters, so many different ways from Sunday that, that through that, you know, you learn from it. It's, it's crushing at the time, especially when all you want is a giant six point and you screwed up again or you mess up your shot. I've messed it up every way from Sunday. I truly have. But through that, you continue to hunt or I continue to hunt. Uh, if I mess up a big bowl September 15th, I, I'm still hunting after that. You know, I'm still hunting for another big bull and another opportunity. And what that's given me is an immense amount of experience where, you know, I get more days than the average guy gets a year. Um, but then through being a horrible bow hunter when I started and don't get me wrong, I wasn't horrible. I saw some success here and there, but I made so many mistakes that it would extend my season. Or what about like a general rifle season hunting with my bow? Like I get so much bow hunting experience. I get, you know, six, seven, eight more stocks than the average guy gets because I'm, I'm with my bow trying to close in. Like I've always kept to this bow hunters mindset and, you know, I've reaped the benefits, especially over the last 10 years, but, but really like, like every year I just get a touch better at what I do. Uh, touch more patience is, uh, such the key, um, patience on this bull is the key to, to why I killed him. But he kind of worked in front of me, uh, had a good range. He gave me a good quartering away and just put it on him, uh, put it on him. Uh, it was a liver headed down and up and into him. Um, just an absolute perfect shot with the angle I got, hit the offside shoulder, uh, did not get a pass through because I hit the offside shoulder. Uh, but the moment that arrow hit, he just started bubbling blood out of there as I got liver and lungs and I knew he wasn't going to make it far. And so he just made it over the first ridge. Um, a joke between me and my buddies is that those bulls have too much pride to die in sight. Every once in a while you get lucky, but a big old bull like this. Um, he just had too much pride to die in sight. He made it over the ridge and so he made it over. I saw him just bubbling blood out that entry hole. I knew I hit him good. I knew it was the perfect angle down and in him and, um, elation. And I can think back and I can put myself in this, this exact spot. And just the, the more you work something for something, like the more it means to you, the more fulfilling it is. You know, and so to put a perfect arrow in my dream bowl, and I've been trying to kill my biggest bull to date for a while. So uh, my biggest bull was back in 2006, the last bull I killed with my rifle. And that's before I totally committed to everything with my bow. And I killed that bull. I was happy, but I thought, you know, gosh, I really want to kill a bull like this with my bow. And I've been on a quest ever since for that. And I've, I've killed some really nice bulls. Uh, about every year I come away with a real nice six point. I've got a bunch of bulls in that 320 to 350 range. Um, you know, I've done really well. I, I think I've only eaten my tag, I think, I think one year, might have been two years, but I think just one year in the last 13, 14 years or so. So I've done really good. And part of that committing to a bow and arrow is that I'm always keeping in a bow hunter's mindset, even during rifle season, whatever the case is. And it's just made me better. I've, I've paid my dues. And um, gosh, to put a perfect arrow in a bowl like that, and, you know, I try not to look at the horns, but I knew what that bowl was. I knew it was a great big herd bowl, you know. And, um, and, and even after, like, I can feel those feelings of accomplishment. Like, I can close my eyes right now and take myself to that moment when I arrowed that bowl 
absolute pure elation. When I when I'm on a run, I mean it sounds silly, but you know, I'll be on a tough run. I can stick both my hands in the air and close my eyes and take myself to that exact moment, that 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 pinnacle of bow hunting for me, pinnacle of, of of an accomplishment. Or I can close my eyes and give it a fist pump, and I can I can be right in that moment. Ah, just it means the world to me. So, put a perfect arrow on that bull. He ran over the hill. Uh, I sent my buddies a message and. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I just knocked down my best bull to date. And um, so I, I had two buddies that were going to help me get him out or whatever. I was way back in there. And um, I gave him a good, oh, I mean, it may have been 35, 40 minutes. I tried to give him as much time as I could, and I couldn't take it anymore. And so I, I worked up top to the ridge. I didn't want to spook him or blow him up or get on his blood trail yet. And so I, I went to the ridge and then I glassed down and he was laying right there. He, he made it right over the ridge. Like I say, too much pride to die in sight. And he rolled over and he tipped on his horns, but he was right there. And and bulls are extremely tough. It just takes a really good shot on him to put him down. And, and anything can happen too. So man, did that feel good. Um, took me about a half an hour just to get his horns out of the mud so I could see him. He had fallen on his horns and just dug him into the mud there I was um but I I finally got him out got a good look at him grabbed a couple photos and then checked back in with my buddies well Janus had killed that good bull the same day the same morning and so those guys had their hands full they had to get that bull out and uh, it was going to be a hot day it was going to be 75 and um so I had to take a few pictures and um soak in my success for about 10-15 minutes and then I had to get to work um, you know, it, it'd be the biggest shame in the world to kill my biggest bull to date and lose some of the meat or so, you know, it just, it'd be horrible. It'd taint the whole experience. So I got to get to work. So I told those guys, you guys worry about your bull. I'll worry about mine. Um, good going, you know, let's get these things to the cooler and I'll see you guys back at the truck. And so, God, I just went to work and, um, butchering a bull by myself, done it multiple times. And I actually found a trick this time. I don't know if I told you guys this on the last podcast, but um, I do the gutless method. And um, but I I do one side, and I do both legs, get those quarters off, and then I'll bone them out, and then take the back strap, the tenderloin, take any neck meat, and the rib meat off that side, and then um, you flip the bull over and get the other side. Well, I'd been flipping these bulls over, fighting these horns, especially a giant six point like that is just hung up in everything. And uh, one of the tricks I found is to do one side of the elk and then take that head off and then he rolls over real easy and then you can butcher the other side. So that's what I did on that bull. Got him butchered. I was lucky as I had some shade in the in the little coolie I was in. So um, get him butchered, which is a labor of love. I, I am so happy, you know, that, that me and my family get to eat elk meat again for another year. Uh, when I dedicated myself to bow hunting only, this was a big deal to me. I love eating the wild game, and it was like, gosh, I'm going to a bow only. Can I, can I continue to fill my freezer every year? And and so far since 2006, I've been able to. But uh, yeah, I got that good organic elk meat. Um, man, I just love that stuff. And um, so yeah, I butchered that bull up. Got them hanging in the shade, even though it's going to be a warm day. Those bulls, they're 100 degrees when you kill them. And I hunt a lot of hot weather because I'm bow only. So, you know, I'm I'm definitely experienced with dealing with this. And you got about a day to get them out. The next day is, you know, when things are going to start to go bad or if you don't get the hide off. So um, got them butchered fairly quick. 
uh, hanging up in the in the shade. And then I looked at the miles at where I killed this bull to where my truck was, and it was a poke and way up over the hill. But I had this other ridge that led to another road. It was just I had a long ways back around to my truck. And so I loaded up the first load of meat, and out I go up this this uh, ridge that leads to this skitter road. Made it to the top up there, and um, there was a camp up there. And I'm just um, I got too much pride to ask for help. Uh, I, I just I'm not very good. I never have been. I never will. And my wife knows this and just knows me. Like I just um, I just don't ask for help. I get myself into these situations and. Um, so there was a camp up there. I walked right by the camp with elk meat, walked into the shade of the timber, hung up that bag of elk meat, and then I ditched my pack, ditched my bino harness, ditched all my stuff right there, and just figure, well, I'm going to run around to my truck, grab my truck, and then I'll pull it over here and get the rest of this bowl out. And um, so I ditched my stuff, and I start jogging. And um, this is good. Like I say, I, I don't I don't like to ask for help or anything, but here I'm coming into this intersection of this main road from the skitter road I'm on and I'm running up towards the trail and I see this truck coming and it's like, oh man, I don't I don't want them to think that I'm hurt or in trouble or anything. I'll just I'll I'll hike. And so I slow down and I hike and they kinda look at me and I look at them and I don't give them a, a wave or anything or flag them down or anything. And then um they drive by and I start jogging again and then I see that that truck stop. And, um, he backs up and they're two just, just great salt of the earth guys. And, uh, they say, uh, Hey, you, Hey, where are you headed? You need a ride? And I said, well, my, my truck's around the corner and I kind of him and Han. I said, well, jump in. We'll, we'll give you a ride. And, and thank goodness. I probably had 12 miles to go to my truck. I'd probably only had four or five miles down jogging. So thank goodness they gave me a ride. Two of the nicest guys. And so I hopped in the back of their truck and they were just coming into camp or they had been hunting out there or something. So they, they gave me a ride back to my truck and it was so funny. There's so many road miles to get back to my truck. They just, they kept looking in their rear view mirror, every camp we passed or truck we passed, they'd look in their rear view mirror to see if I told them to stop and I'd keep waving them on. And pretty soon he stops and he asked me, he says, where in the heck did you come from? And they just couldn't believe where I'd came from, from my truck, you know, so many miles and then through there, you know, I told them I killed a bull and I got them taken care of down there. And, and, uh, you know, I, I really didn't, I didn't want any help or anything. I was like, man, I'll get this thing out. And they would not take no for an answer. Just two of the nicest guys and, you know, two guys that I met that'll be friends for life. And they picked my brain, you know, they were two rifle hunters that had turned bow hunters and, and they just couldn't understand how you could get close to an elk. And they had seen a bull that morning. And so, you know, they were just picking my brain like crazy. And it's always, you know, when your hands are bloody and you got a big bull down, you know, it seems like you're the pro of the world, you know? And so, uh, they just asking me a million questions about how to get close and, um, and, and they would not take no for an answer. I got to my truck and, uh, they wanted to come help me get that bowl out. Told them I had it. I told them I had a couple buddies there. I'm going to try making every excuse not to help me. And, uh, they just would not take no for an answer and, and they'll be friends for life. What great guys to just chip in and, um, give up some of their own hunting to come in, help me pack that bowl out. And, uh, so yeah, they helped me made friends and we hiked down there together. They helped me get that bowl out, packed them out. Uh, got him in the Yeti on ice, and um, biggest bull to date. Man, oh man, just such a stud bull. Just these giant fours, giant beams, a wide one. Uh, just, I just can't believe it. 
that it's possible for us average blue collar guys like what's out there and and just the adventure out there um what a season uh you know not only to kill these quality animals but just to have the time uh i had such ample time this year it's been my dream my whole entire life to take an entire hunting season off and um you know i'm back to the grind now which is fine i mean my my cup is full but i uh man i mean i had eight eight weeks of hunting there or something like that it's crazy even saying it out loud um where i just got to go chase my dreams be out in the woods sleeping in the dirt just true adventure and i'm i'm really proud this year of my effort and uh, mental toughness like i just i never waned from from my goals like i say these hunts are always tougher than you expect when you get on them and in a hunt like this i've killed a lot of six point bulls in this unit and um you know, I know it really well, but it's always tough when you get there. It's always something changed. You know, this year, you know, it was COVID hunting pressure. Maybe that pushed the bulls out of those locations. Maybe it was just the, uh, maybe it was the, um, like the feed burned off or we had a dry end of the summer. Who knows what it was, but the elk just weren't in their standard spots. And so it's like, well, you just got to figure it out. And, um, to tell you the truth, all my hunts have been that way this year. You just get there, and they're tougher than I expect. Um, but I'm really proud at my mental fortitude, mental strength, keeping my head in the game, and just enjoying it. Just enjoying the experience being out there. And if I if I don't kill something, that's fine. Um, but I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to leave it on the field, and I'm going to feel good about my effort. And and that's what I've done this year, and it, it, it just paid off. And I, I think another big part of that is... Um, just being really good, you know, in, in clutch situations. Like when I do find an animal, it's like making those hundred decisions right because I've screwed it up, you know, so many times over the years is to to just to, to be able to take what the animals give me, uh, not give up the element of surprise and give myself the best chance at harvesting that animal. And I, I really feel like a stealthy predator out there. Um, and, and again, that's easy to say when I've been successful and um, harvested my best bull to date, but man, oh man, I mean, what a season. But um, for me, like it's it's being proud of that and having a great season, but for me, it's staying hungry. I mean, I am happiest uh, when I'm working hard towards my goals and putting in effort. And if anything, this just reiterates that, that my hard work and my effort and my dedication, like it, it pays off. Like, uh, I need to work harder, you know, next year, maybe I won't find a bull like this six, seven days in, maybe I'll have to hunt the entire season. Maybe I won't ever even get a chance at a bull like that, you know, but I've got to keep that mental edge and mental toughness. And, and I, you know, 40 years old, I am at the top of my game right now. And, and for me, this isn't an ending point. Like this is a starting point. I, you know, all the effort I put forth, all the running miles, map study, map research. And I realized too, that, you know, not only is it being in great shape and putting forth that effort, because there's a thousand other guys out there that have put monumental effort into their hunts, monumental miles have probably even worked harder than I have that, that have come up short. And so it's like all these, these pillars of bow hunting come into play. So, you know, it's not just my physical fitness. Like that's just a piece of the puzzle. It's not just my shooting. That's just a piece of the puzzle. It's not just being clutch and making good decisions. You know, it's stalking skill. It's, you know, there's so much that goes into it, 
But throughout the years, I've been honing all these skills to become the best mountain hunter I can be, the best bow hunter I can be. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's so tough to compare yourself to other guys and comparison is the thief of happiness. And I, 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 I really try hard not to do that, that I am on my own path and my own journey. And sometimes it feels like guys get an easier road, but that's not my problem. My road and my path is my own. And, um, I just know throughout my life that, that hard work has always paid off. And, uh, I just want to, I don't want to rest on my laurels. I want to be happy at my achievements and soak it in. But man, for me, it's back to work. I mean, even this hunting season, I'd get a day or two off and I was running. I'd be back on the the hills and I'm just trying to build that endurance. So day in, day out, I can put forth the effort. And, and I'm a bit obsessive with it, I, I admit, but, um, I love it. So yeah, running like crazy home with that bowl, running the next day. Uh, now that I've had a little time off, I went back and tried to help the Hawaii guys there, tried to help Rob fill out. We had some real close encounters and, um, got him close in the end. Uh, he came home with one bowl, but in the end he didn't fill that, that bowl tag. Um, had a bunch of close encounters. We saw a bunch of good bowls, learned a lot. Um, but, but for me, it's just, it's just, uh, back to work. Uh, it's a labor of love too. Um, and, and now, you know, I, I, I've sharpened my skills so much and um, my mental toughness, God, mental toughness plays such a huge role in success. Just keeping a good attitude, looking things in a positive light, uh, always be working on solutions. And our, our biggest advantage as hunters is our brain, our, our, you know, uh, our ability to theorize and our ability to uh, think through situations and come up with game plans, find new places to go. That's our, our biggest advantage. And you know, some of us, uh, some of us are smarter than others, and I definitely don't think I'm the smartest, the sharpest uh, tool in the shed. But um, you know, I'm just fortunate I can think through things, I can theorize, and and my hunting skill, I, I've just continued to develop it, and I continue to develop it in high pressure public lands, and like going to all these different habitats for different species, and whether that's Hawaii for axis deer, New Zealand, and really. I think the coolest shit is right here. Hunting mule deer, hunting elk, hunting antelope. I just absolutely love it. But hunting mule deer in all these different habitats from high country to foothills to desert to sage flats. And, and then hunting elk in all these different locations from thick timber, big mountains, you know, all the way to breaks country to, you know, like all these different habitats and really just showing up in new spots every year with a tag in my pocket and trying to solve the puzzle and figure it out like that has developed my hunting skill. And so now I get to take that hunting skill on these different hunts in these different places. But man, it just makes me want to want to go harder. <laughs> it, it makes me, um, I want to trade harder than ever before. Uh, I, I know what I accomplished this year thus far. I still have a couple hunts left. Um, I have an antelope tag that I'm running out of time on. Uh, I've filled my antelope tag with my bow spot and stock ever since the year 2006. So 13 years, 14 years in a row, something like that. This would be the first year that I haven't filled that tag. And I've spent my time in other places and I, I've got a half day here, or there, or a day here, or there, and I just haven't been able to make it happen yet. And I'm looking for a really good buck. And if this is the year I break the streak, it's a great year to do it. And, and two, you know, that just, that just goes in for motivation for next year. Um, but I'm not done yet. The rifle season has opened for antelopes and now I have to wear hunter orange. It's getting a little bit tougher, or I should say a lot tougher. 
Uh, but I'll wear hunter orange and um, continue to go with my bow. You know, I, I'm not overly concerned about it. Like if this is the year I break the streak, it's the year I break the streak. It's no big deal. And I've got meat in the freezer. I'm good to go. Uh, I've got a good tag for uh, my home state of Montana here for mule deer hunt during the rut. Uh, that as well will take place during a general rifle season. So I'll have to wear orange, uh, but I'm looking for a good deer. I've killed a lot of nice four points during that season. And um, I really want to hold out and, and look for a big, heavy next level buck. And so we'll see what I can do there. And, uh, and, and then I've got a late season tag down in New Mexico in January. So a uh, new place I've never been. Uh, new Mexico can be tough. But uh, at least I got a chance and an opportunity to go down there and try to locate a mule deer and try to get a play on him. So I still got some hunts left. But um, the season has been a success no matter what happens. But for me, it's back to work and back developing these skills and making sure I'm ready for the test. And it it just um, reminds me what's possible out there. You know, the bucks of our dreams, the bulls of our dreams, they're out there. And it's just putting in the work and having the mental fortitude to to put in to 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 be able to come out successful. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I start making these goals, and you know, I I mentioned I want to do a hundred mile race and things, but um, one of these years, and I, I thought, well, maybe this is the year I'll bite the bull, I'll sign up for one, I'll get running. But really, um, for me, my sport or uh, what I truly love to do is to be in the mountains bow hunting. And so I've really dedicated myself to bow hunting and I want to continue to do that. So to do a hundred mile race is going to take away from my spring bear season. Um, I'm going to have to train more miles. It's going to be more time away from my family. Instead, I I just want to focus on the mountains, being at my best in the mountains during bow season. I I just want to keep with it. And so as far as running, I had a great running year. I mean, I averaged more miles than I've ever averaged uh, tons of elevation. I love getting elevation day in, day out. And for me, it's six to 12 miles a day and it's one to 3000 feet of vertical gain and lost, and then mixing in some of these longer runs. And so, uh, this upcoming year, I want to average more miles and, and just be more disciplined. Um, you know, and I, I do really good getting my runs in and things. And, um, but listen, here's the deal. Like I accomplished these great feats this year of arrowing these great critters. I have more to give. Um, you know, I mean, it's tough. It's like, I've given my all on these things, but I I have more, there's more in the tank. There's more to be accomplished. There's more than I can give to this. And I, I don't want to take away from my time with my family is that super important to me. And, and these are right in my goals. When I, when I think about this upcoming year, and part of my goal is to take my family on a good vacation. Part of my goal is to not take away from uh, dinner time every night with my girls. Uh, uh, part of my goals is to not miss uh, volleyball games. And I, you know, I missed a handful this year on hunts and different things. But every time I'm home, I'm 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 at the volleyball game or traveling to one, and also just want to give them good experiences, good adventure. Um, you know, if my older oldest daughter doesn't feel like hunting anymore, she's super busy with volleyball right now. But if she's not into that, then I need to find another adventure to do, whether that's floating a river with her and one of her friends, if that's uh, backpacking to the top of the sphinx, you know, whatever it is, whatever she's in for. But I need to present these ideas to her so I can continue to connect with her and uh, continue to raise her in the right way. And uh, just coming up like I'm leaving today and there's a youth season. And so my youngest daughter... Um, we're going to, we're going to team up and go out for this, uh, get a two day use season before the general rifle guys. 
Um, so, so I'm psyched. I'm psyched to go out and share some more of my world with her and go out and camp and put on good miles and see if we can turn up a decent buck or, uh, if not, no big deal either, you know, but, uh, just show her some adventure and have some fun together. But that's super important to me. So along with these goals that I'm making about being a better bow hunter and putting in more miles, I don't want it to take away from my family time. So, you know, so how do I get more miles? How do I be more disciplined? It's just finding the time and, I'm extremely busy. I have so much on my plate I handle, but there's more to give. There's more to do. I mean, yesterday was a perfect example. It pouring down rain and blowing 30 miles an hour it would have been an easy day to say, oh, I'm all right. I'll run tomorrow. And I, I've run for the last three days. I'm fine. Take a day off. But just like, like those are the, it isn't running when you feel good or you feel like doing it. It's running when you don't. It's running when it's tough. It's running when the weather's bad. And I love you know, that's what's going to separate me from other guys. That's like when I'm, when I'm out running out in the snow, you know, out in the, the, the rain and the wind, like I was yesterday, you know, I just, uh, I can't help but think back to, to, um, oh, uh, thinking back, I like, um, I love like Cameron Haynes's attitude about it. How everybody's uh, comfortable in their own home or sleeping in while he's out running. And I love thinking about that when I'm on those runs as well is that I'm sacrificing more. And a lot of these hunts come come down to how much you're willing to sacrifice. I get a ton of motivation from a lot of these guys. I mean, uh, just watch David Goggins finish that 240-mile, uh, the, the Moab 240. Good going, kid. Uh, that Moab 240, 240-mile race, he twisted his ankle at mile 130. That guy would die out there on the course to achieve his goals. Um, you know, to not finish that race, that that's not even in his head. It's not even an option. And like I, I remember, you know, I'd mentioned um, Cameron, but he, he talked about uh, Courtney Dallwater um, running this 500-mile race. And how, you know, she almost died on the course. But it's like, what are these people willing to sacrifice to achieve their goals? And not that I want to die in the mountains. That's not it. But I am willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to be uncomfortable. And, and I, I'm willing to endure more than the next guy. And, you know, that's the one thing I can guarantee is like I can endure. I can endure pain. I can endure suffering. And I have so much trust in my body and in my fitness. I work so hard year round to run every day to do these miles that I know I'm capable of so much more. I know that my fitness will get me out of a lot of these situations or bad situations. But to tell you the truth, like I'm really good at enduring. I'm really good at suffering. Like, uh, you know, if I'm not seeing animals or you know, doing crazy miles, like I, I'm good at just taking that in and, and accepting it, I, I, I'm willing to sacrifice and give more. And I think that's a big key to success. Like if anytime you run across tough times or, um, you know, anytime you're challenged, you just give in, like, like that's going to be your fallback. But if you're willing to, to push and endure more than the next guy, endure a big storm that comes in, endure tough miles and not finding animals, endure hunting pressure. Listen, any hunt you go on, there's a million, uh, excuses why you're not excess, uh, successful. And not to say their excuses or, you know, like, like all these things that, that come to get, like, it's, I tell you guys all the time, it's the toughest thing on planet Earth to be successful on a public land hunt with your bow and arrow. 
uh, or, or any bow hunting for that matter, to be successful is extremely difficult. And there's going to be so many challenges along the way. But you can either use those challenges as an excuse why it didn't happen, or you can you can get through those challenges and see the other side and find that success. And I just find on all these hunts, they're so extremely difficult that I could have five different excuses on every hunt I've been on this year why I wasn't successful, but I did not accept that. You know, I did not accept it when my bike broke down. I couldn't use motorbike in a in a motorbike area with all these clothes with all these roads that that are only accessible. You know, I, I could have you know with with COVID there was a lot of hunting pressure around in all these units this year. You know, I don't know if it's the extra time people had off or if there's just more people getting into it. You know, and it it's it's pressure in our public lands. But you know, that's a reason for not being successful. I could have used any one of these to just give in and not give my hundred percent or not keep pushing forward. Uh, but I chose not to. I chose to push through them, see the other side, and um, I was lucky enough to be able to capitalize on opportunities. And so much of this bow hunting is about capitalizing on opportunities. Like, I haven't found a, a ton of bulls this year or a ton of bucks this year. I've just made good on the opportunities I've had. You know, I'm sure I've made some mistakes and I've spooked some animals here or there, but like that that big bull I found, you know, I hunted him for a couple days. Or the big lopsided bull that I found, I hunted that bull for three days. Um, so so really this bow hunting, it's really about making good on your opportunities as well. As you put all this effort in and you find that animal, now it's making the right moves to try to kill that animal. So how, how do you progress that skill set? And And for me, it's been experience, but, you know, and I feel like I'm reiterating a lot that I've already said on the podcast, but these high opportunity hunts, these uh, white-tailed doe hunts, they'll give you five white-tailed doe tags in Montana that you can hunt with your bow and arrow every single year. And that's resident or non-resident. I, I think resident, mine tags are like 10 bucks. Your guys' might be 75 if you don't live in Montana. But my point is, is these different states have these high opportunity hunts and and being able to get stocks and get plays and learn what right and wrong is and what you can get away with and what you can't. Antelope's another great one. Uh, I had Taylor Wells. He's um, He's been on the Flycast before. Um, need to get him on Eastman's Elevated, too. He's just a great bow hunter. But this year, he took on the challenge of hunting antelope in Wyoming, and he was at his wit's end. At one point, he couldn't figure out how you killed one of those things with your bow, but he kept at it. And he kept persistence, and, and persistence is such the key. And eventually, he arrowed a really nice antelope, and he killed it and accomplished it. But how much experience did he gain while hunting these things? He got 10, 15, 20 different stocks, and he blew it every way from Sunday. But eventually, he started to hone in and then made good on an opportunity and was able to put a perfect arrow in an antelope. So I think it really is, you know, we, we all love these big hunts, these big elk hunts, and these these big mule deer hunts and things, but we don't always get the most experience in these hunts. Sometimes these, these, these bull hunts, you may only get one or two stocks a year. And it's like, man, really mix in the antelope, uh, doe hunts, doe tags, um, and, and mix in, you know, high opportunity deer hunts and try not to set your standards too high. Like, uh, when I went to bow only, I'd start over again and I had killed quite a few animals with the bow, but you can't just start off by chasing the biggest bull in the woods and maybe you get lucky and kill that biggest bull. But a lot of times, you know, you're just going through the, going through the woods and you do get your opportunity at that big bull and you messed up because you don't have the experience behind you. You haven't killed a six point before you haven't uh, killed a three twenty six pointer, you know? And so like it's being ready for those situations. And so like with the bow and arrow, 
you have to start over with your goals and just, you know, maybe you've killed a giant 200 incher with your rifle. Well, it doesn't mean that you can just go out and try to shoot a giant 200 incher with your bow. Like you have to start over and kill a, a decent three point or a decent four point and work your way up the, the trophy ladder to build that skill set to be competent and confident that you can make that shot on that, on that critter. And, you know, I talk about the adrenaline rush and the adrenaline rush is real, but it, it seems to me like um, the the bigger the bull, the more adrenaline surges through my veins, or the bigger the buck, the more adrenaline. I don't know why that is. If it, I just love it so much, and I love seeing these trophy critters and getting a chance at them on public ground. But um, if it wasn't for me killing a bunch of good four points or a bunch of antelope over the years or a bunch of good six point bulls, like I wouldn't have that calm and clarity that I have now. You know, chasing a great big bull. So. I think that's a, a major component to success is just getting that experience and honing those instincts and just getting better at better at capitalizing on opportunities when you find a big one. Um, you know, I think um, I love the the sacrifice and being able to endure and being tougher and, you know, what it means to me and how tough I train. Like, it's going to take a lot to chase me out of the woods, you know. And and uh, so I, I just want to continue to be really disciplined uh, be passionate, be driven, and uh, be the absolute best hunter I can be. Um, be proud of my effort every year. And and like I say, I I truly believe, you know, I've killed a lot of nice critters over the years, but it's just the start. Like, um, I'm just getting better and better at my craft. And um, I, I love it more and more. Like, I just love being engaged in it. I love being immersed in it. I, I love the hard work that goes into it. And, and anymore, you know, I, this is just who I am. I've been doing it for 25 years. This is just who I am. Um, so back on the trails, working hard. Um, it's all about capitalizing and making your shots. Um, you know, I know a lot of bow hunters that, um, are really good hunters, but when it comes down to making a shot, they may have a miss here or there. Arrow doesn't go exactly where they are. Have to be able to make those shots and uh, so that's time behind the bow. And, uh, you know, I need to up my level as well. Like I say, I got more to give. I got more running miles to give. I've got more scouting time to give. I- I've got, you know, more shooting time, whether it's two-a-days, whether it's working in other tournaments, whether it's shooting leagues, uh, high-pressure situations. Yeah, I've got more to give. I can I can be better. And um, through that, I want to be better. Uh Man, I just, I love it with every fiber of my being. And, and this has just been an incredible season. And like I say, it just reiterates that, you know, I'm, I'm making all the right moves and structuring my life towards this thing that I absolutely love, um, you know, has paid off big time for me. And uh, I just want to continue to do that. And, um, you know, I'm in a good situation now. Uh, I need to, need to make sure, you know, as far, you know, I need to hustle and make money and support my family. Um, but for me, it's my passion of bow hunting. And so I need to make sure every hunting season that I've got ample time and that, you know, I, I don't need to chase a, a buck as hard as I've chased it. You know, as, as long as I can pay my bills and, uh, take my family on a vacation here or there, and we have a nice house and we all have vehicles to drive, like, man, I got nothing to worry about. I need to, I need to be out in the hills, more time in the mountains. Like when, when I get all said and done with life, I'm not going to look back and wish I had made more money or, 
you know, and, and, and I do. I pride myself in working hard. I pride myself on taking care of responsibility. I, I pride myself on doing the right thing. And, and um, but in that same breath, I, I'm just going to structure my life to continue to have the time to do what I love to do. It's so fun to have this this passion, this thing I love wholeheartedly that, that isn't isn't tied to money or isn't tied to status. I mean, sure it is a little bit like I, I, you know, I gain respect by killing good critters and get noticed and get, um, praise and appreciation. But, you know, there's, there's nobody out there every day that I'm running. There's nobody out there yesterday in the rain, in the mud, no trails in the parking lot, cold wind. There's nobody there to congratulate me. Or I, I don't even think my wife, she doesn't even ask me if I run every day. It's just normal to her. You know, it's like a, um, so like it's, it, it's bigger than that. It's, it, it's fulfilling my own life and, and my own goals and ambitions and journeys. And, um, yeah, I just haven't found anything this fulfilling in life. I just, I, I absolutely love it. And I cherish my time in the mountains. I cherish my time back with bad weather. I cherish my time living in the dirt, cherish my time with good buddies and and that's a huge part of my season as well is is trying to make my family and friends better and um that's something i want to continue is is not only to see my own success but to see my buddies succeed and um you know i i had some successes and i helped some friends this year and i put a lot of time in and then you know i also saw 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 some of my buddies you know fail in things and i just want to work harder to continue to give them the opportunities and especially you know, my buddies that are out there working hard and uh, working hard towards their goals, uh, they deserve the same opportunities that I get. And uh, I just want to continue to be at my very best. And I want to continue to be passionate and driven. Like, if I lose that, like, uh, it'd be easy to rest on my laurels or rest on some big bucks and big bulls I've killed and just really think I'm doing it, you know, but for me, it's not sitting back looking at the trophies I've harvested. The, like the fun is in doing it. The fun is being out there, being in the challenge, being immersed in it. Uh, the fun is trying to get it right, trying to solve the puzzle, trying to be clutch. Like like all these things. Like that's what I truly love. Um, you know, I I train. I trade. Uh, I, I trade every one of my bowls for another epic elk season. I trade every one of the bucks I've harvested for another epic buck season and a chance at a giant 200 inch wide one like that. For me, that is the fun of it. That's what I love. And, uh, you know, and, and two, it's continue to work. I mean, I'm so fortunate, like this podcast has given me the opportunity to take this much time to be able to go hunt, you know, to be able to make a, have a, a revenue source from the hunting industry is, it's a dream to me. Like I, I've been dreaming about this since I was 18 years old and people will give you advice, but their advice is from their own experiences. Um, you know, like I have this banker that tries to give me advice, but you know, he's a banker that's safe in his bank job and doesn't take risk. And it's like, you're just speaking from your own experiences. And, and the same thing goes with the hunting industry. You'll have a hundred, you'll have a thousand different people that tell you you can't hunt for a living, can't make money at the hunting industry. And it's kind of like being a, like wanting to be a, a an actor or a movie star or something. Like it's so few people get to make an income from the hunting industry. Um, but how do you get there? One step at a time, you know, uh, through my hunting career, I have built this one brick at a time. I built this wall and it starts off with sacrificing my time. I can't tell you how many articles I wrote for free 
how many articles I was turned down by, uh, by editors. And I, you know, I didn't pay that much attention in English class. I wasn't that great at school. And, and really, you know, that's, that sometimes like if I'm talking about personal things that I need to work on, you know, it's, um, and I've gotten better at this over the years, but just, just confidence. Like, uh, I can get myself to the top of the mountain. I don't always feel like I belong there. You know, I don't always feel like I belong in the hunting industry. I, I feel like an imposter sometimes. And we all have this imposter mentality, but you know, if there's, if there's one thing I can continue to sharpen, it's my mental strength, it's confidence in myself, it's getting rid of self-doubt. And, and, and to be honest, like, I'm not where I want to be. I want to continue to push. I want to do public speaking. I want this podcast to continue to grow. I want to do more writing. I, I want to do more filming. I, I want to continue to progress in this outdoor industry. But everybody will tell you that, oh, you can't make it or you can't hunt for a living or you can't do this. This is impossible. People are just telling you their own experiences, their own life. But man, there's I, I just don't put limitations on myself. But I built this brick by brick. I, you know, I've been working at it for 15, 20 years and yeah, I couldn't get noticed anywhere at first, you know, it's like write these articles and get turned down by an editor that read my article that I poured my heart and soul into and have him tell me that it's, it's not the right style. Well, it's just not right for him. Um, but I do believe that I have a connection with you guys. I have a connection with the blue collar bow hunter, the average guy that works his ass off and gets out in the field. Like, like I'm hunting the same land that you guys are, the same country that you guys are. Like, I think that's my common thread, you know? And, and so I just keep believing in it and I keep believing in my writing, my photos. I mean, when I first started just to be able to, to harvest a trophy, to write an article about it and all these articles I wrote for free. And I, I am a, I'm a horrible negotiator. Uh, that's like another thing that that I need to continue to work on is self-worth. And throughout the years, I've built my confidence in building. Like, I know I have a good company. I know I build a good house. I know I know, you know, the, the right way to build things, not to take shortcuts. I also know that I'm a good person and that I'm fair and honest, um, that I'm going to treat people right. I'm not going to take advantage of people. And, and same thing with the hunting. Like, um, it, it's having confidence in myself in my skills that I do belong. I do belong in public speaking, which I really think I excel in, you know, partly because of this podcast and doing these, these solo podcasts where I vent to you guys or express myself to you guys. And, and I just try to be really honest and be myself. And that's, that's like another thing that, that I can work on is, is, um, being honest, like, uh, being who I am and not caring what people think. You know, so many times I put so much into this hunting, like you should have seen it in the early days, the rumors that fly around town that I'm not a good dad because I'm hunting all the time, or I'm not a good husband, or I'm not, but if I worry about what everybody thinks, I'm never going to get anywhere. And, and the only people's opinions that really matter is my wife, my two girls, you know, my family and the, the people I interact with, but I can't worry about what everybody thinks. And, you know, there's going to be jealousy and there's going to be people that say, oh, he does this, but you know, this is the case or this is, you know, this is the reason why, or, you know, yeah, but gosh, he, he's got to be a horrible husband or, you know, and that's, um, I can't worry about what everybody thinks. I just have to be my authentic self. I have to be honest, you know, with, with you guys and everybody else out there, play my cards and, and let them fall where they do. You can think whatever you want about me. I, I can't keep thinking uh, about what everybody thinks of me or their perception of me. I just have to be myself and believe in myself. Uh, I'm a good person and I make the right moves and let the cards fall where they do. But with that, 
that hunting brick by brick, you know, I've slowly created an income out of the hunting industry, which is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, and it's writing for free. I'm a horrible negotiator. I give myself away for free. I think I filmed the first six or seven hunts dang near for free. Didn't even have my expenses paid for. And I'm still doing it fairly inexpensive. I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but you know, I, I still cut myself short because a lot of times I'm just happy to be here, but I need to continue to, to put value on myself that, that, that what I offer is valuable to the hunting community. It's valuable to you guys. And, um, and that, you know, if these companies, you know, if, if, if they want me to support their company and, and, and use their gear and talk positively about it, you know, that, that, um, you know, I don't, I don't give, give away the cow for free. So like, uh, you know, just, just personal things that, that I need to continue to work on and continue to get better at. And I've done good over the years, but, um, man, I, I am all into self-improvement, making myself better and making myself happier. And, and also, you know, being a good friend and good family member and, and making the people around me better, um, uh, making them enjoy their time on planet earth. And man, it's, it's a short time we're here. Um, we, we, we better try to enjoy it. You know, we better have some fun and some laughs along the way. And I know my enjoyment goes from, uh, comes from, from going hard and putting everything into what I love. And, uh, that's where I'm so fortunate that I get to do that. And I know not everybody has that opportunity. Um, but you know, we can all improve and we can all work towards where we want to be and where we want to get and the, the person we want to be to be proud of ourselves and proud of who we become and how we handle ourselves. And, uh, I need to continue to look at that, you know, as, you know, I, you, you have, you know, so many things that, uh, that affect you and, uh, affect the way you grow up but you know it's we can really be anybody we want to be it's just making those decisions and starting to to act that way you know what whatever it is believe me it's obtainable you know so I don't know man I'm fired up I'm motivated beyond all all get out super excited at what the the rest of the season holds uh, super excited to go share this hunt with my daughter in fact I'm gonna get out put this podcast out and uh we're gonna we're gonna get on the road here and uh go chase some mule deer around and then um i got the rest of my season and um really the season is a success already with the time i've got been able to spend and adventure i've been able to have and man my cup is full like i i am just um so happy (laughs) like uh so so these um these next couple hunts they're just icing on the cake so I'm going to enjoy them, soak them in, and see what I can turn up. Um, see, see what kind of critters I can turn up and try to make good on opportunities. And, and, uh, and, and it'll, it'll end up however it ends up. But, um, man, I just love this, this life I've created for myself, uh, you know, constantly structuring it towards, you know, getting this ample time to go chase my dreams, uh, structuring it, you know, where, where I, you know, I can pay my bills and take care of my family. I take so much pride in that and I can be proud of who I am. So, all right, guys. Oh, that's the solo podcast. So, um, good therapy session. <laughs> uh, I, I swear this, this is therapy for me just to be able to, to express my thoughts and my feelings to you guys and have you guys listen in and support it and, and accept who I am. And God, I mean, um, all the positivity behind killing a bull like that. I, um, 
I feel like uh, you guys are truly happy for him. I just uh, the comments and the um, the personal messages and you guys reaching out saying I'm happy for your success, man. It it just it just means the world to me. I I know, you know, it's tough. You see somebody be successful on these giant critters. It's easy to get, um, it's easy to get negative or to um, to 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 have um. You know, it's something that we all want to achieve. You know, all I can say is comparison is the thief of all happiness, and we're all on our own journey. Um, but you guys, like, I have the the absolute best support in the world. Like, this podcast has the best listeners in the world. All you guys are so passionate about hunting and backcountry hunting and what you love to do, and and you guys are living your life the right way. I mean, to support you know, somebody like me and my success, man, it just, it just means the world to me. And, and likewise, I just, I just want to be a good friend and, um, good podcast host as well to put out the absolute best information I can. And then when I see you guys be successful, like to encourage you and, and to be happy for your success. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the most fulfilling life and it's the happiest you can be. It's like you start comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing and social media, it's filled with, uh, guys killing giant critters and, um, whether, you know, however they harvested it. And, um, it's easy to, um, it's easy to junk it or to, to have some jealousy pop up. Um, in, in fact, I think it's human nature. Um, but to, to outweigh that or override that and be happy for that person, it means the world. And, and all those comments that, um, that, that I got that say hard work pays off. Like you couldn't, you couldn't give me a better compliment. Like if anything in life, I just want to work hard towards my goals, but to have you guys listen to the podcast and recognize what I put into it, my commitment level, and then, um, commend me on it. Like, um, man, so humbling, so humbling. So, you know, I, I just want to continue to work hard and, and, um, continue to love life. I mean, I think that's what it's all about is to love what we do. So, um, thanks a million, you guys. I really appreciate you. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope I didn't get too sappy on this solo podcast. I've got some great recordings coming up. Gosh, I just did this one with, uh, Brian Broderick. Um, man, I hope I continue to learn like that guy has, uh, he, he runs the, the day six arrows. And um, I had him on the podcast, and uh, it's the first time I got to meet him. We talked for two and a half hours. We hit it off, and such great insight into bow hunting. God, he's just a um, he, he's a student of the game, just like I am. And so to be able to compare notes with him was just amazing. And uh, I'll put out that podcast. I think I'll get it out uh, next week or the week after there. I'll, I'll get it out here in the next couple weeks, but it is an awesome podcast. Uh, so I got some amazing ones coming up for you guys. Keep working hard towards your goals like it pays off. And, you know, I think we're ready to achieve greatness before we see it. I don't know if this makes any sense, but I've always believed this, that like killing a 320 bull, you make a goal of killing a 320 bull or a 350 bull or a 200 buck, whatever it is. And you put in all this work towards this goal. And I believe like you've got to put in all this work and get your skill set to a spot where then you can capitalize on that opportunity when it comes your way. You can not only capitalize, but create that opportunity and then capitalize on it. But it's not like you're just ready. And then all of a sudden the next day you create it and it goes down and you kill this 200 inch buck. 
I, I think you create this skill set. You put all this hard work into it, and you create this skill set where you're ready to, um, you know, create that and and then capitalize on it. But you know, it, it doesn't just happen the day after. Like it may, you may get your skill set to a place where you're ready to kill one of these giant bulls, but the opportunity may not present itself for another year, for another two years. And I constantly believe that that you put in the work, you 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 build the skill set, but you know that you might not see the success or the accolades for another couple of years or maybe not another five years, but it is coming down the road. You continue to put in the work, hard work pays off. Uh, so it's one of the the life lessons that I learned in wrestling is like we're all given what we're given genetically, but. Um, it's what you do with it that matters. It's like, uh, the harder you work, the more you can accomplish. And I, I learned that lesson early and it, it just continues to come up in my life throughout the years and continues to come up this year. Like the harder I work, the more I get out of it, the more I achieve, the more success I see. Um, and, and I'm not done. This is just the start, the absolute start. Uh, I, I just, uh, I wish I had this kind of mental strength. I, I wish my body is just firing off all cylinders. I, I'm in the best shape I've ever been. Uh, my stalking skills are are just uh, are are off the you know the like I feel really good about my entire skill set and um, so so I truly believe this is just the beginning. All right, you guys, that's a wrap. Uh, keep working hard towards your goals. I'll check in with you next week. <laughs>